This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the highlight of your life. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams. And I know yesterday was amazing, but it just gets better every day. It does. And if you'd like to take it up to the final level of awesomeness, well, why wouldn't you? All you need is a cover mug or a glass of tanker gel cystine, a canteen jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure. It's the dopamine hit of the day. It's the thing that makes everything better, including the pandemic. Here it comes, the simultaneous sip. Oh, yeah. May I share with you the strangest thing that happened to me yesterday? The strangest thing. All right, goes like this. Some of you know I've been trying to learn to play the drums. And part of that process is I'll hear a song or I'll remember a song that had some good drums in it, and I'll try to learn just that, that little bit of the fun part of the drums. And one of my favorite old-time so- uh, songs was uh, White Rabbit by the Jefferson Airplane. And uh, the, the White Rabbit has a drum opening where there's like, you know, there's sort of a quick drum rolls in a number of places. And so yesterday, I guess it was yesterday morning, I was practicing the White Rabbit drum rolls. And I was just playing White Rabbit, White Rabbit, White Rabbit over and over again and just practicing it. So that's the first part of the story. Now, have I ever done that before? Nope. Nope. I've never, I've never before been interested in playing anything about that song, White Rabbit. Just, I like the drums. So I decided to watch the uh, Matrix, uh, the new Matrix uh, sequel. And uh, there's, a, of course, the Matrix is about, um, it used to be about a, a hacker. You remember when Neo, in the movies, he was a hacker? But he's been reimagined, and I don't want to give away... uh, I'll try to do this without giving away any plot, right? But uh, it doesn't give away anything to say that he's been reimagined as a uh, game designer. A game designer. So Neo's job is a little bit closer to mine now, because it's more about imagination and creating a story and with, with characters that are designed which is what I do for a living, interestingly. And interestingly, I'd just been you know, sort of teasing in the in public uh, because Elon Musk, who's the big proponent of the simulation idea, tweeted that you know, it feels like he's in a Dilbert comic, which is weird because that would make me the author of the simulation that Elon Musk is in, who's the biggest voice about the simulation. So it was like, Okay, this is making my brain hurt. There are too many levels here. How many of you saw The Matrix yesterday when it came out? 
Do you already know what, where I'm going with this? <laughs> okay, to tell you that this movie mapped my life would be an understatement. First of all, the song White Rabbit is prominent, prominently a part of the movie. I had no idea. So I'm watching a movie about the simulation while talking about the simulation, and there's the very song. And it's, it's, not, it's not just in the background. It's like a featured element of the movie. And also there were two names in the movie that are, had a lot of uh, direct recent impact on me. I won't give you the names, but there were two names that I had some history with just recently that are characters in the movie. I'm like, well, that is weird. <laughs> and uh, here's, the fir- here's the thing that I finally figured out. You know how in the movie Neo is called The One? Did you ever figure out what that means? Neo is The One. Or, or is he? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the question. Or is he? Not everybody believes he is. But what about Trinity? If Neo is the one, what is Trinity? The zero. <laughs> She's the zero. Now watch the movie, and just remember I just said that. Neo is the one, but Trinity is the zero. It's all you need. <laughs> it's all you need. And I never realized that when they were saying that Neo was the one, I never realized it had that second meaning. Now, the movie doesn't say what I'm saying, so that's not a spoiler. I'm putting my own interpretation on it. That's, that's not giving anything away. Yeah, Neo is the one, but Trinity is the zero. That's all you need. Interesting. Anyway, um, I saw some bad reviews for the movie, but I have to say I loved it. Uh, now I'm a big fan of the, the whole series. And of course, the concept of it just blows my mind. But um, I recommend it. If, if you like sci-fi and you like the first three, this is a real fun trip. Uh, but I can, see why, I can see why the critics had their problems with it, but I liked it. Um, I say the pandemic is over, for all practical purposes, when the reports about the pandemic no longer even mention deaths. And so you're seeing tweets today about the Omicron, you know, burning through the population and spreading like crazy, and we're going to have peaks, and we're already seeing surges, and and our holiday plans are going to be more surges. And you read it, and there's no mention of death. Now, these are tweets, but then go to the news and read a news story about the pandemic. No mention of death. Death stopped being death. News. (laughs) News. <laughs> now, I'm still going to stick with uh, the Greg Gutfeld uh, promoted February 1. Um, if you haven't watched The Five, if you know uh, Greg is uh, pushing February 1 as am I, co-pushers of February 1, trying to get the idea that the government needs to have some kind of a focused target, which of course is subject to revision, like any target would be. But after we get past this surge from the holidays that we know is coming, we really have to have a conversation with our government about getting back to normal life. And uh, I think things are looking really good for February 1. 
Now, I know a lot of you want to say it's over already, blah, blah, in some states it is, and, and I get all that. China, interestingly, just locked down 13 million people in one of their bigger cities. And uh, it was because of a Delta outbreak. 50-some people got, got Delta. They haven't detected Omicron in the country yet, which I don't believe. I mean, I don't believe it's not there, but I do believe it's not detected or not reported. Um, but don't, doesn't China have a big problem if they have Delta without Omicron? Because the weirdness of the, um, let's say, the effectiveness of which their lockdowns work, I mean, they're brutally cruel to the citizens, but they do seem to be effective, apparently, um, when you do the total lockdown, not the kind we do. So uh, what will happen if Delta starts sweeping through their major countries? I don't know that the Chinese healthcare system can handle a real outbreak. I mean, I had, they had no choice but to lock down the whole city when they found it. But I think that they're, they may be at the beginning of the pandemic. Can somebody who is smarter than, than I am, which is a lot of you, on anything involving pandemics and viruses, could you, could you give, me a, give me a reasonability check, check on this assumption that China might be closer to the beginning of the pandemic? Because if they haven't had uh, anything but vaccinations, and I don't think their vaccinations are that hot anyway, uh, are, isn't Delta going to rip through there? Now, their only hope is that Omicron gets there first, but maybe it's Delta. You know, that's why they locked down the city. Um, did you, let, let me ask you this question. Is your assumption that in the United States we have overcounted COVID deaths or undercounted Tell me in the comments, what's your assumption? Now, of course, it's hard to know. Uh, let's see, if we overcounted or undercounted, I'm seeing nothing but overs on locals. Everybody here is saying, uh, every one of you is saying over. Some of you are saying don't know. Over, over, way over, way over. Okay. Uh, turns out you're all wrong. <laughs> Maybe. Here's the argument why it's vastly undercounted. And I'm going to tell you the argument, and then you tell me if it doesn't sound reasonable. Now, what do you think is the process for counting deaths? Like, in, in your imagination, how do, you, how do you imagine it happens? Now, the way I imagine it is that somebody dies in the hospital. The doctors say, okay, those symptoms look like COVID. We better run a test. Or it's, it's obvious. Say, oh, we even know where the COVID came from. You got it from your spouse. You have all the symptoms. You died. COVID. And I think, I think that's allowed as well. So you don't have to have a uh, test. I think you can use your doctor judgment to say, oh, this is obviously COVID. Right. Now, here's the part I didn't know about. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of people still die at home. Did you know that? I mean, it does, you don't hear about it a lot, but there's still a lot of people who just die at home. Now, these are people who might have been in sort of a hospice situation at home, meaning that you knew they were going to go pretty soon. But what happens when somebody dies at home? The doctor says, uh, hey, what happened? And the family member says, well, grandma died. And then does the doctor say, do you think it was COVID? <laughs> no, because it's just, it's just a family member. 
They don't know if it's COVID, if there wasn't a test. So they just say, I don't know, but she had a bad heart. So the doctor writes down, bad heart. So there was a study done recently uh, that showed, at least in one area where they did the study, um, that, the, that the number of COVID deaths were grossly undercounted. Dr. Robert Gaylord, hospitals were totally empty in 2020. Scott, wake up. Okay, I'll, I'm going to block you, A, for being stupid, because that comment is stupid, and also uh, for saying wake up. So you get blocked for that. Hide user on that channel. Um, you, you, you all realize that how empty the hospitals were was because the hospitals stopped taking regular business? That's why they were empty. <laughs> had nothing to do with COVID. I mean, whether or not there was a COVID pandemic. All right, so uh, the report said that uh, um, when everybody is overworked, that they just don't do the same level of uh, effort to have a cause on the death report. So I guess our, our system for reporting cause of death just broke down completely. Now... My experience in the corporate world suggests undercounting. Right? So as the creator of the Dilbert comic, who knows a little bit about bureaucracy and how people act when they're at work, to me, these two competing stories, one is that too many things were coded COVID, which is possible. Certainly in some places that may have happened. Uh, then the counter... The alternative explanation is that uh, because people were incompetent and overworked and the system broke down, that they didn't report all the COVID. Which one of those seems more likely to you based on your life experience? We don't don't even have good facts. Let's just say just life experience. My life experience tells me it's undercounted. The, the overcounted kind of assumes that everybody was sort of in on something or they had a standard that didn't make sense and everybody was uh, adhering to some weird standard. But I don't think there's evidence of that. Hmm. All right. Well, looks like I'm going to have a problem in a minute. All right. Um. There's a robot that can cultivate a desert. Um, I'm going to have to take a break. There, there's something that I always do. <laughs> that uh, I'll be right back. still here. <clears throat> Thanks for waiting. All right, so there's a robot that uh, can cultivate a desert. So there's this little robot that's autonomous. It'll go out and it'll search for little wet spots and it'll plant a seed. So if you let the robots run around on the edge of the desert long enough, they'll actually shrink the size of the desert 
by planting stuff around the edges until it grows in. <clears throat> so that's a real thing. There's a similar idea that I've seen uh, tested in which you just let livestock wander around on the edge of the desert. So somewhere between you know, where there's vegetation and the edge of the desert, you just let the livestock wander around. And they'll eat the vegetation, they'll wander into the desert part, and they'll take a poop. And then the poop becomes the fertilizer from which something new grows. So as long as you've got livestock wandering around the edges of a desert, the desert gets smaller. So now we've got this robot that can shrink a desert, and we've got, we know the animal model. You can imagine, you can imagine having a robot that grabs the manure and takes it to the desert. So you can have the robot searching not for water, but for goat shit. And if it finds some, it's like, oh, this is good. Grabs a little handful and goes over to the desert and, and dumps it there. But between these two technologies, and some combination thereof, we could shrink the size of deserts. So what does that do to climate change? I, I think that's certainly a, a path out, right? To shrink the deserts. Now, I'd also hypothesize some time ago that apparently one of the reasons that we get hurricanes on the east coast of the United States is that there's a time of year in which there's a temperature differential between the ocean and northern, northern Africa. And northern Africa is desert, so that's hot. The ocean is cooler, and the difference causes the formation of hurricanes. Now, it only happens in one time a year because that's when the temperature differentials are just right. What happens if you shrink the desert in northern Africa? In theory, it should reduce, it should reduce uh, the hurricane powers. And that's completely practical. This is a technology that, that's just right here. We just have to do it. Now, getting it done might be hard, but there's nothing technologically hard about it at all. Grow milkweed, Jeff says. Well, I don't know much about milkweed, but that sounds like something you've looked into. All right, so that's cool. Uh, how many of you saw the uh, compilation clip where the mainstream media is using the term a viral blizzard? Have you heard the term, a viral blizzard, for what's coming this winter? Viral blizzard, and everybody's using it at the same time. It's a viral blizzard. Uh, if you would like to know, and so some people ask me on Twitter, a few people ask me, uh, does that look like professional work? Like, is there some professional persuader who came up with this viral blizzard thing because it sounds a little too good? Here's my answer. Watch Watch the series Dope Sick about Purdue Pharma, a real company. And in that movie, one of the characters explains a trick that Pharma uses, and then they used it. And the trick is you invent a condition so that people have a reason to prescribe your drugs. And in the movie, uh, because they had a drug, OxyContin, that was uh, good for pain, but it wore off too soon sooner than they claimed it would uh, last. So they invented a new category called breakthrough pain. And they said, oh, no, you're, if your patient uh, didn't get 12 hours of relief, that's because they're in that special category. They're in the breakthrough pain kind. Now, breakthrough pain isn't a thing. Like, it never existed as a concept. 
But as soon as Purdue uh, and its all of its money people and the experts that they hired to, to say these words out loud, they, they created the idea that there was a thing called breakthrough pain and that the only way to treat it was to get twice as much OxyContin. Now, how did Purdue know to do this trick? In the series, they explain how they know to do it because it's a common trick. <laughs> Apparently, it's a well-known technique. So, Omicron is coming. We've got trillions of dollars of money on the line for uh, vaccinations should we become a country that keeps getting vaccinated. But if Omicron rips through and gives us natural immunity that actually works against the other variants, then a trillion dollars or more will be left on the table for Big Pharma. Trillions of dollars that they kind of expected to make would just go away if Omicron does the same thing as a vaccination, or better. And so, at just the time they needed it, at exactly the time that Big Pharma needed it, this new viral blizzard thing gets invented. Do you think that's a coincidence? That, that there's a name for it? No, it is not a coincidence that there's a name for it. The viral bliss. Uh, I'm looking at a funny meme. Uh, the viral blizzard is the reason for vaccinations. It's like, uh, let me explain it to you this way. If you didn't have a word for it, or a phrase, viral blizzard, and you just described it, here's what it would sound like. Well, it looks like uh, infections will go up, but we've got this Omicron going on, so deaths will probably be you know, reasonable and lower after the holidays. So it looks like uh, you know, we're in pretty good shape. If you just described it straight, that's what it would sound like. But if you really need people to get worried about the weakest virus of all time, Omicron, you, you say it's a viral blizzard. Oh, it's not just that a lot of people got it. It's so many people got it that w- the hospitals could be overwhelmed and you better get a vaccination just to keep the hospitals open and stuff like that. But do you see the trick? Once you know that this is a common pharma trick to come up with a new phrase that looks like a new kind of condition, that's how you sell more product. Once you see it, it's obvious. (laughs) All right. Um, Elon Musk said in an interview with uh, uh, the Babylon Bee guys, which, by the way, you should watch. It's really interesting watching them. Just chat. Uh, So that just came out. But he says that you could have enough solar panels to power the whole country if they were in a 100-square-mile area, which is not very big considering the whole United States. So 100 square miles would give you all the solar panels you need. You'd have batteries, of course, to to, uh, store it so that you're live all the time. But in theory, you could get there. Now, of course, Elon doesn't mention... Uh, environmental impact of all the discarded and you know old solar panels and stuff, which is fairly major. But he did mention, and I had never heard this idea before, but I love it, that if you just put solar panels in the area around existing nuclear power plants, because people don't like to live near nuclear power plants, but solar panels don't mind. So you could put just solar panels only where there are nuclear power plants, and, uh, and according to him 
the solar panels around the nuclear power plant would produce more power than the power plant. <laughs> now, I'm assuming his math is good, because, you know, he's good at math. Uh, that's kind of a mind-bender, isn't it? That we already have a place to put them, and we already have a grid to connect to, because the nuclear power plant is on the grid. So we have the exact right place to put not only nuclear waste, because the best place to store that is also right around the power plant, because it's the same place people don't want to live. <laughs> so um, that's, that's pretty optimistic that we've got these technologies that could uh, solve everything. Well, Trump is back making news, as he likes to do. So on January 6th, the most provocative date he could ever pick, he's going to have some kind of a press conference, and we don't know what's coming but it's going to be fun. (laughs) I know it's going to be fun. That's all I know. Uh, Good or bad, it's going to be fun. So, of course, he picks the most provocative day to do this. But he's doing his uh, persuader thing, and here's what he said uh, yesterday. He said the insurrection took place on November 3rd, meaning the election itself, of last year, and announced that he will hold a news conference on January 6th. So he's going to try to say that the election itself was the insurrection because he claims it was uh, rigged. Um, and then he says, and I, and I like this, Trump says, why isn't the House, uh, the unselect committee, <laughs> he's calling them the unselect committee, of highly partisan political hacks investigating the cause of the January 6th protest, which was the rigged election, he says. Now that's a pretty good approach, isn't it? Persuasion-wise, saying that the insurrection did happen, but it was on, it was on November 3rd. Same thing he did with fake news, because fake news is something that was used against him. He flipped, he flipped it against the fake news. So it looks like he's trying to do a flip on the insurrection. And then he's also saying, why aren't you investigating the cause of it, of the January 6th protests? Why not look into that? <laughs> now, you know, there's, there are answers to that question, but as persuasion, it's pretty good. Um, And he says the only thing that they can do is not talk about it. So here's the thing that I realized. So we live in a country in which for the last five years, and give me a fact check on this. Give me a fact check as I go. True or false, we have learned that our intelligence agencies cannot be trusted. True or false? True, right? True or false, we have found out that uh, Democrats cannot be trusted as, uh, as evidenced by the Russia collusion hoax. D- did the Russia collusion hoax not tell you that Democrats can't be trusted? It did. Even leadership. Right? So uh, now the Democrats, you would agree, would say the same thing about Republicans, Right? So I don't know what most of you are, but probably you're leaning right if you're watching this. So both sides think the the other side is not credible. So what about the news? Is the news credible? No, no. Any illusion you had about the news being credible is gone. How about uh, the way we manage anything, from climate change to... The pandemic. You know, did we manage the pandemic flawlessly? So we have this weird situation 
where literally every institution in this country that we can observe is fraudulent and corrupt or incompetent. Is that a fair statement? In the last five years, we've learned every, every major institution is either corrupt, incompetent, or fraudulent. In, a, in substantial ways. Not in minor ways, but in very, very substantial ways. Right? Now, aren't we lucky that the one exception, the one exception to all of this incompetence and fraud and corruption, the one exception was that our election system ran smoothly without any of those problems. Nothing, I mean, nothing to speak of. You know, the minor things. But, but nothing that would change the result. It's kind of phenomenal, isn't it? You might even say, hard to believe. <laughs> now, do I have any evidence that the election was rigged in a way that would change the election result? Nope. Nope. No evidence of that at all. But isn't it lucky that every fucking system in the United States we guarantee is fraudulent, corrupt, and incompetent? Every fucking one of them. But not the elections. Not the elections. So we built a, uh, an election system which, by its design, can't be fully audited intentionally. Now, when I say intentionally, I mean that whoever was involved in the design had to know it couldn't be audited. So it's intentional in that sense. So the only thing that worked well is the only thing we can't check. Are you fucking kidding me? And nobody's, as far as I know, there's nobody in the government who's even trying to change it to make it more transparent, make it more auditable instantly, be able to track your vote. Well, they're not, yeah, they're not allowed to reverse engineer the software. That's right. So when you get into the software component of it, there's nothing to audit. You can't do it. Or it would be too difficult, or you know, there would be legal challenges. You know, but whatever the obstacles are, it can't be audited. We do know that. So how dumb do we have to be to believe that the election system is the only fucking thing that works fine? Seriously? Seriously. I mean, you really have to be dumb to believe that. Now, again, I have no evidence that this election was rigged. It's entirely possible that the mistakes went in the other direction. <laughs> you, you can't rule out that Trump he might have lost by even more votes if the election had not been rigged, I guess. So we don't know what is right and what is wrong. But the moment you fool yourself into thinking it's the last fucking thing that worked, that is stupid. Can I say that out loud? It's just stupid to think it's the one thing that worked just flawlessly. And it's the one thing we can't check, right? All the other systems are a little hard to check also. But at least you can guarantee that you know that the news is fake because you can just look at the real video. You can see how they edited the video. You can say, oh, well, it's fake news right there. So the only thing we can't verify is the one that's working right, really. All right, you want to know how to uh, get the election system fixed? Uh, I would recommend radical compliance. Radical compliance. Have I ever told you this concept before? 
Instead of saying it's bad, you agree with it and embrace it, but you embrace it until you crush it. So every time you talk about the election, you should say something like, well, it's a great thing that's the only system in this country that hasn't been proven to be corrupt and fraudulent. It's great that it's the only one, and it's impossible to audit it. I want you to just say that to people who think the election was fair and just leave it there. Yeah, it's the only thing. We can't check, but we're told by the people who lied to us about literally everything, according to the people who lied to us about everything, these elections are good and fair, according to all the people we know are liars. And that's all just true, by the way. I don't think I exaggerated anything, did I? I mean, I make it sound like absolutes, but... Candace Owens glows compared to you. Well, I wasn't expecting that comment, but if your comment is that Candace Owens is better at this than I am, I would agree with you. (laughs) She's really good at this. All right. Um, Rasmussen had a poll and asked uh, whether people thought the 2020 election uh, had cheating that... uh, affected the outcome. And 59% of combined you know, uh, voters on both sides said that cheating is somewhat or very likely affected the 2020 election. 59% of the public thinks the 2020 election was not necessarily fair. 59%. That's up from 56% the last time they, they checked it. Why is it moving in that direction? Why, why is the public opinion moving in, in the direction of Trump's opinion? What, what is causing that? Somebody said regret. Biden regret? Maybe. You know, there could be people who simply didn't care. And now that they see that Biden's not performing that well, maybe they care. I don't know. That could be. Payments, somebody says. All right, here's what I think. I think that as we observe every one of our institutions being fraudulent, it is now impossible to imagine that this is the one exception. That's what I think. I also think that as time goes by, the, the, uh, the impulse to just take sides and get rid of Trump no matter what is being replaced by more reasoned assessment. And nobody reasonable can assume. Assume we even know if it was a rigged election. There's no way to check. Um, so let's see. Do the math here. Uh, 59 said percent said cheating is somewhat or very likely affected the election. Uh, let's see. How many people uh, think that it's not at all likely, or they're unsure? Twenty six percent. Twenty six percent. Twenty six percent. Almost exactly the number of people who get every question wrong. (laughs) All right. Um, So we got two things going on. Um, We've got therapeutics coming out for COVID, and we got lots of uh, testing coming. So that's all good news, right? All that testing is coming, and therapeutics are coming. 
But at the moment, uh, right now you can't get a test because there are not enough of them. And you also can't get the therapeutics because there's not enough of them. But if you could get tested and found out you had COVID, you could get the therapeutic, except they don't exist. So it's sort of a good news someday. At the moment, not so much. Um, And there are more people saying that Omicron is the the vaccine. So uh, I feel like I got ahead of this one. I don't know if anybody said it before I did. That as soon as I heard that Omicron was so weak, I was like, it's a vaccine. Now, now you're hearing actual doctors say it. Right? Before it was just idiot on the internet, me, saying, hey, I think it's a vaccine, you know, best case scenario. But now they're actually saying that, best case scenario, it's, it uh, gives us herd immunity. All right, now, here's the question. Dog not barking. There's something missing that's really, really conspicuously missing, but not until I mention it. All right? I'm going to mention something that you're going to slap your forehead and say, why are you the first person to say this? It goes like this. Apparently, we were pretty good at predicting the rate of growth of Omicron because we'd seen other countries' growth so we could see how quickly it would um, take over the United States. So we're pretty good at predicting that. Now, we also know how many people have vaccinations, and we probably could predict fairly closely how many people are likely to get boosted and further vaccinated in the next few months. If you had that information, how fast Omicron is spreading and how many people are vaccinated and boosted and and likely to get extra shots, could you not calculate the day of uh, herd immunity? We now have everything we need, right? Because... It, you know, with a slow-moving virus, it would, it's harder. You, know, you, you say, I don't know, sometime this year, we hope, maybe next year. But with this super, super fast Omicron, isn't there somebody smart enough to say, you know, at this rate, you're talking five weeks and done? Why has nobody even calculated that? Because it is calculatable, right? Am I right? Now, February 1st, I think, would be maybe after that date. But it certainly would give us enough time to see what the, what the surge from the holidays look like, and we'd know a lot more. You know, if we have to revise February 1st, it can happen. But, um, yeah, we'll continue to mutate, but they tend to mutate toward less, uh, less dangerous. Um, that's, you know, that doesn't have to be the case, I guess, but they tend to. Hospitals say another five to six weeks until Omicron burns through. Now, when they talk about Omicron burning through, they're really talking about a surge, but we've had surges before that don't lead to herd immunity. Right? We, we've had lots of surges, but we didn't get herd immunity. But I feel like with the Omicron, because of the speed of its uh, infection, the... Well, we don't know that South Africa has peaked out, but the numbers suggest that. That's correct. That could be seasonal. I don't know. could be anything else. So isn't it conspicuously missing? Am I wrong about that? It should be the most important number in your life. I mean, in terms of the public life. 
because nothing would be more important than knowing when Omicron plus vaccinations get us to, I don't know, 80% whatever herd immunity requires. It used to be we thought 60-70% was herd immunity, but it feels like this one's going to need to be a lot higher. I'm thinking 80 plus. All right, well. uh, All right. There is a uh, co-defendant in the January 6th things, somebody who is a self-described member of the Proud Boys. Um, And he's one of the first writers to breach the Capitol, and he's pleading guilty to conspiracy and other felony charges. Now, I don't think anybody is uh, defending anybody who did anything that was a felony, right? So I'm not going to say anything good about this individual if he committed felonies. But conspiracy? I wasn't. I didn't even know that was a crime. Did you? <laughs> when did conspiracy become a crime? Has it always been a crime? I mean, I know a RICO is if it's an organized thing, but apparently, if two or more people talk about and plan a crime, that has the extra problem of conspiracy. I feel like it shouldn't be illegal to talk about stuff. Uh, that's a weird law. It doesn't make sense to me. The crime, of course. But planning a crime? What happens if you plan a crime and then don't do it? I, I think that's not conspiracy in that case if you don't do the crime. But I don't know why the planning part is the crime. Isn't the crime the crime? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just don't understand the law and why that has to be a crime. But it, it made me ask this question. If conspiracy is a crime, how is Adam Schiff not in jail? Is that because there was nothing about the, um, the Russian collusion hoax? There was, none of that was illegal? <laughs> because if any of it was illegal, then conspiring to do it would be illegal as well, as I understand it. But isn't, isn't it obvious that Adam Schiff conspired as part of the, uh, as, as part of the hoax? And how is it not illegal to try to overthrow the government with a hoax. Isn't that what an insurrection is? Can somebody Google this? Does an insurrection have to be kinetic? Can you have an insurrection that does not involve violence? Or is insurrection automatically violence? Check that definition for me. Uh, Oh, I thought I'd have it by now. Sedition. Insurrection usually means violence, but does it have to? Any overt act, I think somebody just looked it up, any overt act. Well, wouldn't you say that Adam Schiff was part of, the public would say, an overt act of uh, trying to overthrow a government with a hoax, and it was a conspiracy as well, because I'm sure they coordinated and talked about it. Are you telling me that if we, if we got a hold of Adam Schiff's digital communication you wouldn't find anything in there that was conspiracy to overthrow the government with a hoax? Because I feel like maybe it's in there. (laughs) All right. Um, Do you remember that I told you that the Golden Age was coming a few years ago? And you said to yourself, I don't think so. We got a pandemic instead of a Golden Age. Um, Everything's falling apart. Um, now, we did get, 
uh, we did get indication that fusion, nuclear fusion, is practical. And there are a number of companies building actual uh, test models, I guess. And also we got good news that uh, nuclear power in general went from hated to now accepted. So, you, you know, you could say it's not a golden age except for, you know, there is one big part of it that at least on the energy side, things seem to have turned in exactly the right direction. But that's about all that, all that happened, right? We, we didn't get any of the cool things we expected, like there's no flying cars. Well, actually, there is a flying car. Um, it's being advertised now. It's got eight, it's sort of a helicoptery thing with eight engines. So eight independent uh, rotors. Three, I think they have three backup systems in case something goes wrong. It's got, a, it's got its own parachute, so you can actually parachute out of it. I mean, the device itself has a parachute. And uh, it had some other safety feature, I forget. But apparently you, can, you don't need a pilot's license. You can just get in this thing. They're being manufactured now. They're still raising money, but they're making them. So, all right, so we did get fusion and nuclear energy, and and it looks like we do have flying cars. But it's kind of disappointing for a golden age. We'd expect more. That's really all we got. Well, according to Elon Musk, we could also solve climate change and all of our problems with uh, uh, 100 square miles of solar panels. So I guess now we have two ways to solve climate change. So, well, okay, so we solved climate change and energy for the future, but that's kind of all we did. It's not very impressive for a golden age. Well, we did put a rocket into space uh, that landed, you know, Elon Musk's rocket. And we have opened up uh, an age of space travel and Mars colonization. Some people may say that was sort of a golden age But, I mean, that's not much with fusion and nuclear energy and flying cars and solar panels fixing climate change and going to Mars. So not that important. We did, um, because of the pandemic, completely rearrange how we work and where so that more people are working at home and not dying commuting every day. So that, I mean, that's a gigantic thing, but yeah, I mean, it's just one thing. We did uh, seem to get rid of Antifa, uh, BLM riots. They all seemed to go away. We did seem to wake up to the fact that our news is fake, which seems important. Um, and we may have figured out a way to be safe from all future pandemics. Um, and robots are going to be uh, seeding the desert, so we may have ended hurricanes. Um, I think we're at the golden age. <laughs> I think it's here. Um, we've never had things go this well before. Even with the pandemic, you know, which is a giant pain in the ass, uh, this is the best we've ever been, <laughs> by far, by far. Now, of course, um, thank you, uh, Richard. I appreciate that. Um, yes, and uh, if you hadn't noticed, uh, Elon Musk is also building a satellite network which will probably free people from censorship someday. I think that's the real play. I mean, it has lots of obvious uses. But I feel like Elon Musk owning uh, a complete end-to-end, Starlink is called, a complete end-to-end communication 
essentially an internet, I feel as though that's good news. And China's uh, impact is decreasing. We're going to bring our manufacturing home slowly, but we'll do it. And uh, something tells me that uh, we're in the golden age. And I, I hate to be all you know, optimistic and stuff, but I don't think we've ever been healthier. By the way, uh, one of the things that Elon Musk said, it was just sort of a, just sort of a comment he tossed in there when he was talking to the, the uh, folks on, uh, I don't know, Funhouse Mirror Neurons. don't know what that means, Eric. Um, he was talking about uh, the uh, Neuralink technology. They'll put a little chip in your skull. So they'll drill down a little bit, put a chip in there of some sort, sensor or chip or something. And it can interact with your brain directly. And when Elon was talking about um, the future of Meta and Facebook, and he was sort of making fun of it, you know, uh, Elon was saying, you know, it's like putting a television set on your nose, basically. He doesn't see that as being the thing. But then somebody asked, will we be able to directly see virtual reality someday with a Neuralink implant and no glasses? Do you know what Elon Musk said? Will you someday be able to enter a virtual world just by wanting to? He said yes. <laughs> he didn't say yes, maybe. He didn't say, uh, I don't know, you know, that'd be really hard to do. He just said yes. Uh, when was the last time he was wrong <laughs> about you know, the future? I, I think he's pretty good at predicting these things. So we actually are entering a period where you'll be able to get a, a chip in your head, your skull, that you will be able to enter virtual reality and interact with anybody all over the world just by thinking it. And that's happening, you know, I mean, we're on the path to that. I don't know how long that'll take. I mean, that feels like a, a 25-year plan, not a five-year plan. But we're on the way. We're on the way. Uh, glasses will be first? Yeah, probably. But the gla- as Elon pointed out, the, all of the uh, solutions with glasses cause um, motion sickness. If you haven't tried virtual reality, and I recommend it highly, it's quite a hoot, um, it, get, it gives me motion sickness, and I don't even get motion sickness. So I, I've never had motion sickness from any real-world you know, ride or car or anything like that. Not even a little. But uh, if you wear the virtual reality goggles for half an hour, you, you'll be sick all day. <laughs> you'll actually be sick for hours. You're like, ugh. Uh, and if they, haven't, if they don't figure out a way to fix that, uh, I'm not sure if they're close to it. If they can't fix that, then there's definitely a limit to the growth. Yeah, and e-bikes. Somebody's mentioning e-bikes here. E-bikes are changing everything. Like, I, I can't tell you enough about how that's going to change things. In California, it's the only bike anybody buys now, is an e-bike. I'm exaggerating, but most of the bike sales are e-bikes now. Um, David says, I wear them for hours at a time and no motion sickness. It's individual, and I, and I think you might be able to get used to it. I'm not sure if that's the thing, but... 
Yeah, Biden said no one saw Omicron coming. That was just a Bidenism. You know, I, uh, um, that's the sort of thing that you could imagine Trump would have said in some fashion, right? I, I don't get worked up about the little, that little stuff. Um, E-bike are trash compared to mopeds. Yeah, they are mopeds, though. I mean, some of them are just basically mopeds that you can pedal. Uh, VR sickness is like sea legs. You get used to it. Could be. Could be. I mean, that makes sense that you would. Uh, military pilot training. It, it was rare that people didn't get sick during training, right? You can figure it out. Most did, some didn't. In other words, you can figure out how not to get sick, I guess. Um. <laughs> yeah, can confirm. Isn't mail-in voting basically rigging? Well, I mean, no. Mail-in voting is not basically rigging, but it opens an opportunity for uh, mischief. So, so yes, I think we all agree on that. We just don't know how much of it there will be. And by the way, if the Republicans are not looking to do as much mischief on their end, I don't know why they wouldn't, because apparently it's all legal. Um, the uh, tackle unique QR code. Eric says <laughs> we're finally waking up. Um, yeah, tiny houses are not the thing. <laughs> okay, this was my show for today. I think it was incredible, possibly the best thing you've ever experienced. And uh, tomorrow might be even better, so you don't want to miss that. So um, as we uh, approach the end of the year, I plan to do some you know, best and worst of the year stuff and you know, thanking some people who uh, you know, were especially effective this year. I think that needs to be done. And uh, we're going to run out of news pretty soon. You all know that, right? Yeah, as soon as, uh, as, soon as the kids come home and we're on holiday... Over here, the, the news just stops. Um, Scott, can we... Oh, here's an interesting question. Can we use the mass formation psychosis concept as a Trojan horse to get more people to accept the older, more polarizing concept of fake news? Don't need to. I, I think the Democrats see fake news now. The Kyle Rittenhouse thing, I think, opened a lot of eyes. Will Christina do Christmas music? She was planning to. Um but our uh, house um, redoing here, um, it's hard to practice because there's so much noise in the house. So I don't know if she's where she wants to be on that. Can we get more micro lessons? You will. Um, probably, probably more of them over the holidays. The, the thing that's holding me up on the micro lessons is the noise in the house. So as, as soon as there's no buzzsaws going on, I can do more of them. Um, All right. That's all for now, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.